What would it look like to claim your space as a leader and make a positive impact in your organization or community? Get ready to lead courageously and authentically from the core of who you are. Your leadership coach, Dr. Kristen Albert, will help you recognize how you are uniquely gifted to lead in your spheres of influence and help you become equipped and confident to handle the challenges of leadership. Take your leadership to the next level and create your turning points in leadership. Let's get started. Here's Chris. Hello, friends, and welcome to Turning Points in Leadership. My name is Dr. Chris Albert, and I am your host of Turning Points in Leadership. This is our 15th and final episode of the Turning Points in Leadership podcast. And that is because I am embarking on a new phase of my life, which is entering into a phase of slowing down, dare I say retirement, and starting a phase of instead of continuing to grow my business as a leadership coach, to begin to wind down my business as a leadership coach. Now, I say that this is the last episode. It might not be. It may turn out that I'll record another episode along the way. So you can stay tuned for that. If you're subscribed to the to the podcast, you will certainly get the new episodes as they drop. But I will not be recording uh, a monthly Fourth Friday episode going forward. I'd like to take this time today in this final episode to talk a bit about some instances in my life where someone who has been leading in their sphere of influence has made a difference for me. Now, you all know, if you're a longtime listener, you know that I've been interviewing people who are making a difference in leading in their sphere of influence. And when I say in their sphere of influence, I believe that every one of us has not only an ability, but also a responsibility for leading in our sphere of influence. Well, what's your sphere of influence? Your sphere of influence is anytime you are in contact with other human beings or in contact to something that will create change for other human beings. So in other words, you see opportunities for change and you step in to lead them, or you see opportunities to influence people and you step in to lead in those circumstances. So I'd actually like to share with you two stories, and one of them goes way, way back, more than 45 years ago now. I know I don't sound that old. I am uh, I am in my early 60s, just entered my 60th decade two years ago. This story goes back to when I was a junior in high school. Let me tell you the story. So I had to use the restroom. Don't all good stories start like that. And as I went to the girls' restroom, um, I looked up the hall and I saw the principal coming down the hallway. I went into the restroom and it was filled with smoke. There were a number of girls in there that were smoking. I didn't know that at the moment that I was walking in. So I turned around and I left. And I, as I looked up the hall, as I left, there was the principal again, walking closer. And I looked at him and I turned my head back and forth, right to left to say, nope, that it isn't me. I wasn't part of this. And then I went on my way to find another restroom. Well, lo and behold, the principal as girls came out of the restroom, he lined 
the girls up against the locker, uh, the bank of lockers there, and smelled their breath, which is what I guess they did back in the day to tell if somebody was smoking, right? And then suspended them all for smoking. There were about 10 girls that came out of the lab that were suspended for smoking at that time. Well, because I had been seen coming into the lab and stepping out of the lab quickly, and that confluence of events where the principal was there, the uh, conclusion that was made was that I had been the one to tell on them, to summon the principal, to, as the word back in the day was, to narc, that I was the one who got them in trouble. Well, it really wasn't the case. I didn't go seeking the principal, but nonetheless, they got suspended. 10 days of in-school suspension. That's a lot of time. And they were angry. Well, there was one particular ringleader that took it upon herself to influence her posse of gals to make my life hell for the next three months. And when I say make my life hell, I mean make my life hell. I was uh, grabbed by the front of my shirt, put up against lockers. If you can, if you can picture somebody grabbing, taking somebody by two hands and lifting them up and putting them up against the locker and threatening them. This ringleader did this to me. I was very, very intimidated by these behaviors. She happened to ride on the same bus as I did, and I never felt safe on the bus. I didn't feel safe because of the evil looks, but I'd also been physically put up against lockers. I mean, I was afraid of this young woman. She even went so far as to vandalize my house. Back in the day, we had a clothesline hanging in the backyard, and she came and cut the clothesline. She smashed my mailbox. She put what we used to call dog dirt. We weren't allowed to say dog shit. We weren't allowed to say the word shit. So she put dog dirt, which was dog feces, on my front step. So if we would walk out of the house, we would step in it. I was convinced at night as I lay in my bed that when I would hear the doves outside my window, I was convinced that, that, that she was out there laying in wait for me. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible three months. I also at the time worked at a fast food restaurant up the street, Burger King. It was my first, uh, my first job. And I was to the point in this incident where I was afraid, deeply afraid to go out of my house, to be without people around me at school. And I remember sharing my, my fear with my Burger King manager. His name was Steve. I don't remember what Steve's last name was. But Steve was one of those leaders who was very, whether he knew it or not, he was very aware of his responsibility for leading in his sphere of influence. He saw this kid, 17-year-old kid, who was being threatened and harassed, and he saw how emotionally wrecked I was. And so he took it upon himself to intervene. So what he did was he called my parents and he brought them up 
to his little small office. It was this tiny little office. It couldn't have held more than five people standing up in this office. And he also called our local police department and had a police officer come. And he filed a report with the police officer and the police officer interviewed me and brought my parents into the mix. And the police, long story short, ended up meeting with this ringleader intervened on my behalf and told her that if she would cross a line again, that she would be arrested for harassment. Steve was a leader who took the initiative to stand up for something that was important. He saw someone who was being treated wrongly and that was in deep pain. And he stepped in seeing this as an opportunity in his sphere of influence to do something good for someone else. Steve was my knight in shining armor. There is no doubt in my mind. Steve was the one, the linchpin, the turning point. He created the turning point where I could finally begin to step back out after three long months and begin to not fear my life. And I'm not underestimating. I mean, I'm not... um, I'm not overblowing this. I mean, I feared for my life. This young lady that was that was taking these actions against me was she was a rough one. And I was feeling every moment of it. And it was um, a devastating time in my life. It was affecting me emotionally. It was affecting me socially. It was affecting my grades. Um, It was a very difficult time. But I am very thankful for Steve, who saw this young woman who was um, who was suffering and saw where he could make a difference in this sphere of influence. And he stepped in. So I am, I don't know where Steve is these days, but I am eternally grateful to Steve for having done this. So if you know a Burger King manager, somebody who was a Burger King manager, he would probably be in his, his 70s now. And he was, had a a vision of going into law enforcement eventually. So if you know somebody named Steve, maybe you maybe you find the guy, you know, who knows the power of, so, of, of the media to find this person. I would be, <laughs> I would love to be able to thank him. So that's my first story. My second story happens about 30 years later. I was at that time a professor at a regional university in Pennsylvania. I had been going through a number of difficult months navigating some things within my department and with my department chair. And things were not particularly good. And the details aren't important at this point. But I was summoned one day into the dean's office, summoned by the dean, accompanied by my chair of my department. And my dean and my chair said to me that They were going to do a national search, open a search for someone to take the position and the teaching load and the courses that I had been teaching for the last five or so years, and that they were going to do a search to have me have that person come in and replace me in the courses that I had been teaching. Now, keep in mind, I had been building up to this point, I had been at that university for about nine years and had been building um, as I increased my skills and increased my my area of, of research 
and my area of specialization, I had worked to the level of uh, teaching these courses. And so they told me they were going to be doing a national search to bring someone in who would replace me in those courses. But not only that, that for that interview process, that I would be on the interview team to interview this person who was to take my place and that I was to chair that search. Now, long pause. Imagine having worked your way up to teaching courses and serving in a role where you um, you were teaching 200 and 300 level courses, doing great work. Students were happy. Students were learning. I had I had brought a children's course to residents. I had created this internship program where uh, these pre-service music educators would have an opportunity to learn from seasoned professionals and to basically work in a lab environment and build their skills as educators. And here I was being told that not only was I not going to be teaching those courses any longer, but that I was not only going to be replaced, but that I was also going to serve on the search committee for that person and to chair that search. Talk about an uncomfortable position. Now, I spent a lot of time in that at that moment or over the next months and weeks trying to, in a very reactive way, trying to convince them that this was this was not the right move to make that I was fully capable of teaching these courses now the backstory is that the reason why they were doing this is because they were retaliating against me for something I had done and in hindsight what I had done was I had gone ahead and said yes to something at the university without their permission so at the university, you had to do service, you had to do teaching, and you had to do uh, research, or what they called scholarship. One of the things that I had said yes to was a service position where I was asked to be the lead of an or of a committee on the at the university called the Council for Professional Education. This Council for Professional Education oversaw all of the common threads among all of the teacher education programs at the university. I had made the mistake of when I was approached to become the chair of that and the facilitator of that um, Council for Professional Education, I did not ask my chair and my dean permission to do that. And I probably should have because it did have an impact on my teaching load. But I said yes. Water under the dam. I should have asked, at least had a conversation with them, and I hadn't done that. And so that was that was their mindset. They were going to retaliate against me. Now, this should tell you a bit about what, what these leaders uh, were like at the time. So I hadn't asked permission of the chair and the dean, and so they were very angry with me. And diabolically, they decided this is what they were going to do. So now here I am. I'm not only the chair of the search committee, but fast forward, we're now in the fall of that semester where the person has been hired and we're in our first week of the new semester. 
Now, there were a lot of indications along the way that this person had been clued in, that I was going to try to, to retaliate against this individual. Well, those of you who know me, and I'm sure those of you that don't know me, but have been listening to this podcast can surmise that that is not in my MO. I am not one who retaliates. I mean, that's just not what I do. So this person was led to believe that I would be making their life difficult as they came into this new position because they were taking my position. They were taking over the classes that I was supposed to teach. I mean, you can see, you know, if I weren't a different person that it's possible that I would want to undermine this person. You know, I mean, if I were an evil person, <laughs> I could see how the person who had been hired might be told that that I'd be um, that I'd be taking, you know, taking this stance toward them. And I simply was not going to be doing that. It was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. He was being told that I was going to undermine his work, which I had no intention of doing. But he was starting the semester off with this belief that I was somehow going to sabotage his work. So I invited him to lunch. I thought at the beginning of this semester, we have got to have a conversation. I've got to have a conversation with this fella and, and let him know genuinely that I was not the evil person that folks were making me out to be. I mean, there were an, enough indicators that indeed he had been told that I was going to be retaliating or undermining or somehow making his life difficult because he was taking these courses, taking over these courses that I had been teaching. So I thought it was important that we sit down and we have a conversation. So invited him to lunch. We got together at, uh, we got together for this what was going to be an awkward conversation. I mean, who wants to sit down with someone who already has been told that you're going to be working against them? It was an awkward conversation, but I knew it was one that needed to be had. And uh, we met at uh, a Mexican restaurant, and that wasn't the awkward part. Mexican restaurant down the street had the best pico de gallo I have ever had in my life. So we met and we talked. I opened up the conversation. You know, what have you been what have you been told about me? And fortunately, he was willing to share all of these things that he had been told. And of course, I said to him, this is not who I am. This is not what I do. I will not undermine you. What I would love to do, however, I would love for the chair and the dean to see you and I working together well as colleagues and actually scratch their head and think to themselves, my goodness, what uh, we thought that this was going to take Chris down and scratch their head and say, why is this not imploding? I would think that this would have imploded and that Chris would have lost her, her temper and that it would have given us a reason to be able to terminate her. But instead, I said to him, what I would really love is for the two of us to be able to work with each other and to be able to be collegial and actually do great work that's going to support our students. And so we agreed at that lunch that we would do that. I have to say that uh, the universe was conspiring with us because it could have been, he could have received me in completely the opposite way. 
but he did not. And he was very gracious. And so what we ended up doing is we ended up for the next two years working very closely together. We did great work for, for our program, for our department, for our students. We became close colleagues and supported each other in our work. So whatever the dean in the chair had been planning, it was no longer an issue. The two of us were going to get along and to work well together. Now, I'm going to pause there for a moment because I want you to notice that what I did, I was basically in a powerless position, right? I had been told that I would not be teaching the courses that I had been teaching. I was told that there was a person that was going to be hired that was going to take those courses from me, who was going to take over those courses, I should say. So what they were expecting was as far from the truth or as far from what they had imagined as it could be. I was powerless. It was evident that I was powerless. Anything I would do to try to win my position back or to work through this with the dean in the chair was not going to work. What I did have authority and autonomy over was my sphere of influence. And he was a new faculty member, and I was a faculty member that had been there for 10 years, and we were in the same department. And so I could sit down with him and have a conversation. I could have a conversation and get really real about what had transpired and to create an alliance for the two of us. This is what leading in your sphere of influence looks like. Even though you think you have absolutely no power, which basically I didn't, I did have the power to be able to create a very good working relationship with someone who had been positioned to think that I was going to work against them. That's leadership. So those are my two uh, my two stories about leading in your sphere of influence. The one with Steve, he led, he saw his opportunity to lead in his sphere of influence and to do something very important for a young woman who was in distress. And the second was me recognizing that I had the ability to do something even though I felt powerless, even though I had no positional power. I did have power over how I reacted and how I moved forward. Also, another example of leading in your sphere of influence. So as I said, this is the last episode, number 15. And I trust that one of these episodes has landed with you and perhaps one of my stories today has landed with you. I want to thank specifically Carol Cox of Speaking Your Brand. Carol is the one who challenged me to start this podcast. She challenged me to take my thought leadership and to put it into a container where I could share this message with others. That's why the Turning Points in Leadership podcast was born. So thank you, Carol, for challenging me in that way. I want to thank every one of you who has downloaded, subscribed, listened, commented, shared, 
my episodes over the last 14 months, over the last, uh, yeah, since July, July of 2022 was my first episode. And I want to thank all of you, all of you, my listeners, for tuning in, for commenting, for sharing, and so on. And I also want to thank my extraordinary editor, podcast editor, Kalen Wolfskill of Ruby Media. Kalen has been able to take my meandering stories and ruminations. And I dare say he's done an exceptional job putting my podcasts, my ramblings into a cohesive package so that you can listen and that you can enjoy. I tend to pontificate. I tend to wax poetically. Um, So thank you to Kalen. My greatest hope is that you have been inspired to lead in your sphere of influence, to pay attention to opportunities for leading when you really didn't recognize that you had power, but that you would step in and lead. My hope is that you have learned from these conversations how important it is to be intentionally positive in your leadership and to be kind. I hope that you've taken away this way of seeing that encourages you to step in and step up when there are opportunities for influencing your world, your community, your relationships in positive ways. Step in and step up. And I would like to leave you with one final thought. Margaret Mead has a famous quote that is often repeated by Dr. Margaret Wheatley. And it is this, never underestimate the power of a small group of committed people to change the world. In fact, it is the only thing that ever has. So thank you for tuning in to this episode, this final episode of Turning Points in Leadership. I've been your host, Dr. Kristen Albert, and I encourage you to reach out, connect with me on LinkedIn, Dr. Kristen Albert. I'm happy to receive your questions, your comments. Feel free to share this this episode. And thank you for being a listener. Keep leading in your sphere of influence. We all have the capacity and the responsibility to make a difference. And I want to challenge you to always be thinking about where your sphere of influence is and how you can make a difference in this world. So thanks for tuning in. Have a great life, have a great day. Bye-bye now.